Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 33, as Andy, uh, as you may know and remember from Seasons 1 and 2 in the beginning of Season 3, he was a co-host here. He is officially back. He's officially moved in. Andy, welcome back to the podcast, and I know you're off to a rough start with the new digs, but we are happy to have you back. Well, I'm happy to be back. I am... Currently, my microphone is set up on a stack of boxes, and the internet I just had set up uh, is having problems already, so I have to have a technician come out. So yeah, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of unpacking and trying to figure out where to put things with a different layout, and yeah, so right now I, I live in a mountain of uh, packed cardboard and, and uh, bubble wrap, but that's okay. I'm the, the new place is lovely. We're finally getting established, which is good, but uh, again, it's stressful, but I know I've been barking about this for a month now. Uh, so yeah, so, and, uh, before we move on, I do want to apologize. You may have noticed we didn't have a, a episode drop on Monday morning. That's because James out of the kindness of his heart, uh, recorded a solo episode, which, uh, I I'll be honest, I listened back to it and it was, uh, man, the vitriol for after the stinker of a performance in New York Rangers, uh, put at, at Lundquist's retirement night, which I went to, by the way, uh, yeah, it was emanating. It was a, it was, you could, he was seething. You could tell, but, uh, I don't know what happened. Audio issue. It was audio seemed to be corrupted. I tried to do my best to convert it and make sure it was okay. And it just would not upload. And it was just kept saying, you know, corrupted audio. And I was like, okay, so we, t- I took the L on that one. So I apologize. Uh, we're usually better about this and, uh, won't happen. You again. didn't, yeah, you didn't miss much. I was in a really, it, I was in a really tough spot. The Rangers have, you know, blew two leads in a row. They lost on Henrik Lundqvist night. My shower is still going. If anyone even cares, well, they don't actually know my shower. I spoke about this on the podcast. My shower just is keep keeps running, and I can't shut it off because it's in an area where the pipes might freeze on an exterior wall. So I kind of have to keep it running at a certain pace. Otherwise it could possibly freeze. So I'm dealing with that. Uh, yeah, it's just been uh, a cluster with the Rangers blowing two goal leads and that, but uh, I don't feel that way anymore because the New York Rangers had a pretty good game uh, last night against the Florida Panthers. But um, Andy, before we get into that, do you want to talk a little bit about the, you know, Henrik Lundqvist night and just that whole game with the Minnesota Wild? Yeah. Um, so it's, this is going to be two parts. It's going to be the ceremony and the game, which you have to separate for your own sanity. The ceremony was beautiful. Uh, you knew it being Hank, they were going to pull out all the stops. And they really did. I mean, uh, so many people in attendance that didn't even appear in the ceremony or speak or anything, but they were there. Uh, obviously, Girardi and Callie and uh, uh, Torts was there, as were a few others. And then obviously a bunch of Hank's friends. 
it was great to see a bunch of uh, Swedish fans had clearly made the the trip across the Atlantic. Not, not, not just Hank's family, but just fans of Lundqvist, from, I assumed, from his, you know, his time in Frölunda. So that was awesome to see. And yeah, it was just a beautiful ceremony. Um, great speeches by Sam and uh, Kevin Weeks was awesome. You know, that was an excellent speech. Uh, and yeah, it was just it was just awesome to see. And, you know, Hank, I think, had summed it up himself saying he just wanted to come back and, you know, say thank you to the fans. And, you know, you don't really think about it that, that you know, it was great that fans get to keep chanting for Henrik, 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 just maybe one last time unless they show him on the Jumbotron. Who knows if it'll ever happen again, which is kind of weird and sad to think about. But, man, they really they just wouldn't stop chanting his name. And, you know, you had some some idiots going into business for themselves and shout and shouting dumb stuff during his uh, speech. But, yeah, honestly, the, the whole thing was perfect, well orchestrated. It felt like a huge deal. Um, it was great seeing the Rangers uh, alumni who already have their numbers retired. You know, you basically had the the, the top four from uh, the 94 team. Obviously, it was nice. They said notes about uh, the gag line with, uh, you know, um, Gilbert, uh, Rattel, and uh, and Howell. Um, it was just, uh, excuse me, Hadfield. Jesus, don't take my uh, fan card away. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was a beautiful ceremony, and it was great to see. You know, it was kind of surreal, if I'm being honest, and uh, it was awesome, and it was obviously nice. You know, good. To see. I'm glad Zook was there. Uh, I'm sure you know Zook was happy to be part of it, and then uh, yeah, beautiful ceremony. Then the game happened, and the Rangers, as you know, are down a lot of important players right now, and have been blowing leads as of late. And yeah, they just they didn't they had they were good in the first period. You knew they were going to come out after the ceremony and look to have something to prove, and they just petered out from there. They let the Wild get back into the game, and uh, yeah, just you know, unfortunate um, at, the, at the end with the game tying goal, or you know, in in air quotes. To have that goal disallowed the last second, uh, you had a crowd that had been got there early for l- retirement night, so they had been drinking since five five thirty instead of drinking from you know uh, seven. So you had a, a two extra hours of of you know and the emotions from the ceremony to have that with point one second or one second left to have that goal disallowed. Then obviously the the cans start flying and the drinks, which is listen, I mean that's. You know, I know you're a New York crowd, but that's you got to be classier than that. So, you know, it was embarrassing. It was Philly-esque. It was Philly-esque. I would definitely say that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was just embarrassing. Come on, you're better than that. And you can say, whatever, you know, New York, we wear hearts on the sleeves. Like, come on, be an adult. Like, it just it just made because then it's it's a tough loss as it is. But you're going to let the lasting image or a lasting image of Hank's night be that especially when he's in attendance watching the rest of the game with his friends and family. Like, come on, man. Like, I, un- I understand, but you, the, you know, the, the idiots who did that, you, and you know who you are. If you're listening and you did that, uh, you know, go fuck yourself because you really, you're, you're, I assume you're an adult and that's just poor form. But yeah, obviously sad and, you know, I don't know. And, and listen, it was a tough, a tough call to have at that time, but Strom pushes the pad in with his stick. Oh, I disagree with you, Andy. You do oh, I mean I, he took I, two? I, from my vantage point, he took he takes two whacks at it. He misses the puck entirely. Starts pushing the pads, and then the third one, he jams it in. That's what it looked like to me. But I Talbot mean, lunges forward, and it, with lunging forward, his legs go out from underneath him. Yeah, Strom was not strong enough to push his legs out from underneath him and cause that play to happen. He lunged for a loose puck. And his obviously, when you lunge and go onto your belly, your feet have to go somewhere and they go backwards. And he just so happens to miss the puck that he lunged after, and it was loose still, and it went in the net. I, I think it should have been a goal. I, 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 I am baffled that they, re, they disallowed that goal. That, that's, that's how egregious I thought it was. Um, I mean, I've watched the replay from every angle a million times. I've read, you know, obviously I wanted to see what people like you were seeing in terms of him pushing Talbot back. I just don't see where there's the impact of Strom's stick and at the same time 
it's pushing his legs out of the way. I just, I don't see that correlation. And I think this is why you have video review to kind of break that down. And unfortunately, I think they made the wrong call. And I'm not saying it as a Rangers homer. And, you know, I almost felt like, you know, at the same time, though, Andy, although I disagree with you, it was actually a blessing in disguise. Because oh, yeah. the Rangers need to, I, I hate to say it, they need to, like, lose some of these games. They can't keep escaping and playing poorly and, you know, walking away with a potential, you know, two points and a definite one point if they bring that to overtime. So, you know, for me, it's a blessing in disguise. I definitely think that, you know, the, the Rangers deserve to lose that game in regulation. Oh, and, you know, th- that's where I leave it. I kind of feel like, you know what? Minnesota deserved those two points in regulation. The Rangers had no business getting that. So although I was disappointed with the call and I disagree with it, they it was never deserving. So I, I, I don't have that, you know, that rage that some of the Ranger fans might have had. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's where I definitely agree with you that even if it had counted, I would have felt like yet again, this team has a horseshoe up his ass this season, which is good to have. You need it if you want to make the playoffs because there are some teams that, on paper should probably made it this year and they just got decimated by injuries and other things. And now they might be finding their footing now, but it's too late. The damages have been done. Um, and then they go on and they play the crack and, and they literally just sleepwalk through the entire game. And Gerard Gallant, even though they end up winning, you know, uh, they have a lead in the third period. They give up a goal with four minutes left or something like that. And then, Keandre Miller, who earlier in the game has a bit of a rough game, gets walked, uh, I think, twice. Uh, you know, he rifles in an awesome shot from the blue line, picks a corner, beautiful play, uh, shows his offensive upside, and the Rangers are back on top, and all is well. Luckily, Gallant watched them play hor- horrible, horrible hockey for three periods. So even the post game, he's like, you know, we got outworked. We got embarrassed. Uh, this is an embarrassing effort by our team. So you have the tough feelings from the Minnesota loss. And then you have even in a victory where you narrowly skate, skate away with victory against a team that's offensively inept. Uh, you have your coach kind of calling you out. And then after that, uh, we have you have some kind of national attention or at least in the hockey world, they find, you know, uh, Greg Wyshynski writes an article for ESPN about whether or not the Rangers are legit or real, as their record would indicate, talking to anonymous NHL execs. Uh, and most of them say the same thing. Nope, they are Igor Shosturkin in a hot power play. And that's it. So you have to you have to imagine that's become a talking point in the locker room because they've you know, you've seen everyone talk about that, even on the ESPN. PN broadcast of the game, they kept talking about the Rangers stink five on five. The Rangers stink five on five. They have a great goalie and they have a great power play, but they suck. I cannot reiterate how much they suck five on five. You know, so that goes into uh, the Panthers game last night. And uh, that's definitely, yeah. So that you have to imagine that was a narrative going into that game, James. Yeah. And, you know, I was at the cracking game. I went with, uh, you know, Frank and, and Pat, who have been on the podcast. And, you know, you know, we were kind of just talking about, you know, their play and just how inept they are at times. And you look up at the scoreboard and they had nine shots, like th- for the first through two periods. And you're like, is this team like for real? Like, how, how are they at the top of the standings when they play this poorly? And I don't even know if it's like the five on just the five on five play. I th- I think it's almost like it's it's almost like we do a really good job at getting out of holes and and putting ourselves in holes. Like I like we are just like a master of if we are down two goals, we'll find a way to come back and get two points. But if we're up two goals, we'll find a way to blow it and then we win in overtime. So you know it everything's good. Like. It's never just like a complete game. We never play the full 60-minute game. There's always a breakdown, and there's always a, an amazing comeback if we played, you know, two or three periods, you know, or, you know, two-thirds of the game, you know, like shit. So it, it's kind of weird. It's like when this team can put together 60 minutes, and we've done it a couple times this season, you're like, they can really compete with anybody. But they just have mental lapses where they're just putrid. They don't, they don't do anything. and it's. And it's not even like they're really that bad. They're just, they don't do anything, which is why I think their five on five numbers are 
are so bad is that they don't accomplish much. But they also, at the same time, don't really give up that much. And with Igor in net, they kind of just get away with it. I, I Tell me if I'm wrong, Andy, but that's the consensus I get with this team is that they just don't really accomplish much five on five. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty much it. I think you're a team that, and I will say this, in there is something to be said. You you think about all those uh, years of the Her- Carolina Hurricanes being analytic darlings, but just never making the playoffs because they would quote unquote warm the Corsi by just whipping pucks on net from everywhere, especially low percentage, just getting the other team's goalie warmed up, and then they would lose. It's like, well, they generated so many shots and chances. Like, yeah, well, they were all weak. So the Rangers say what you will, but they are have elite finishing talent, and they uh, are they do generate a not a crazy good but a you know a decent number of high danger chances in which they convert on um but that being said yeah i mean you can speculate whether or not it's just gallant wanting to employ a system that is better for just a bunch of fast four checkers and then the rangers have a bunch of skill guys who would rather possess the puck and there's a little bit of a crisis of conscience where sometimes you see panarin trying to dump the puck even though that's not his strong suit and just not getting it back. And obviously a lot was made of the team kind of tuning out David Quinn last year and the way he wanted them to do things. So yeah, you, you just don't know really where they stand in terms of that with Turk. You, you assume they respect him more because his, his pedigree and his track record and he's a pretty easygoing guy and he kind of lets his guys do his thing. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where it, yeah, it's just, yeah, uh, you know, and again, uh, it's after watching the, the second or third period last night, you kind of see that some there are a few times when everything clicks and this team looks real dangerous and you're like, if they could just play this way all the time. So it's like they have it in them. They're too, there's too much talent on that roster, even if you want to say they're under their bottom six is underdeveloped and they're some of their key contributors are, aren't done marinating yet that, you know, they're either sub 20 three years old and they're just not what they're they're not finished products yet but uh there is enough talent there to play that way if they want to to at least be respectable because your numbers shouldn't be taking you know a step back after quinn but um they did so you know and that's just losing buchnevich just doesn't turn you into a poor five on five team overnight and listen gallant had teams that have had good five on five analytics and they've had teams that have had pretty middling to poor so yeah, it's kind of it's 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 kind of funny just to to understand why this team doesn't. Today's episode is sponsored by DraftKings. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl Fifty Six, new customers can get fifty six to one odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can experience the conference championships with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And if your state doesn't have sportsbook, Don't worry, as DraftKings is home to daily fantasy sports with numerous ways to play and win big prizes. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Well, let me, let me ask you a question, Andy. If you're five on five and you're drawing four or five penalties a night and you just so happen to score on two of them, and you win the game, you know, let's just say you win the game 3-2. You gave up two goals 5-on-5. Five five. You scored one goal 5-on-5. Five five. But your 5-on-5 five five play, because you're dumping and chasing and getting the pucks in the corners and moving your feet, you're drawing penalties, and you score on the power plays. Now, to me, I don't think you should be punished 
for your five on five play. You can't be like, well, they got outscored five on five. Well, it's like, yeah, but we also outworked the other team and, you know, we were able to draw penalties on our five on five because of the system that we play. So, yeah, we might score a lot of power play goals, but we're getting a lot of power plays because of our five on five play. And whether that's just being grittier in the corners and and moving our feet along the boards where there's a little bit more clutching and grabbing. And and, you know, I feel like, you know, the Rangers can't be that bad. I think five on five is like any analytic. If you just look at one. And you just harp on it and you say, well, they need to get better at this. And it's like, yeah, they could. But at what expense? You know, does, you know, if you try to clean up and play better defense on the five on five, maybe you're not as aggressive and you don't draw as many penalties. And instead of getting five power plays a game, you're now getting three. And now your power play percentage might stay the same, but you're not scoring as many goals on a nightly basis. So you know, it's kind of like I look at it as like, you know, when you play, you know, fantasy and you have your different categories, you have goals, assists. And, you know, I've always done pretty well because I only focus on, you know, six, five or six categories because that's all you need to win the week. And, you know, once you start having a balanced team and you're like, I need, you know, I, I need better. I need guys that shoot the puck more. Well, that's great. But now you just sacrificed all these assists because guys are throwing the puck and they're not passing you know, you have different types of players in there. Now you're losing assists goes down and you're still not generating enough shots to win that category. So you just eliminated two categories going after, you know, trying to make it even. So it's, there's like trade-offs with your style of play. So I'm just asking Andy, you know, this five on five play that the Rangers are getting bashed for, is it possible that maybe it's not as bad as people are saying? I mean, I think it's, Look, we'll say this. I understand why people are so concerned because five on five is usually a strong metric about how you do in the playoffs because there's a lot of teams that get in based on high PDO, high shooting percentage luck. But then though, these flaws are what get revealed when things tighten up and you're, you know, I think it's, you can say that if you generate more chances five on five, there's more likely that you will A, probably score more goals and B, uh, you will probably draw more penalties and allow your special teams to get to work. So I understand why people it's it's because uh, it is a tale as old as time. There's so many teams that are, they kind of get in and then they get exposed and listen, that happened in the Rangers, uh, you know, again, because the Rangers for the last few seasons have had our team that has a, you know, a higher shooting percentage because they have had finishers like Zabanajad and Panarin and, you know, even Buchnevich for a time. And, yeah, just and they've had a, a talented offensive D men in Fox and D'Angelo, and you know, so, so yeah. I mean, but I, that being said, Igor is having a special season, but it's, you know, there was nights where it, I felt like Hank was getting on, it was an onslaught on Hank, and it doesn't feel that way. I think the Rangers' problem is, you know, because when the Rangers were playing run and gun, and they were shooting the puck a fair amount and generating offense off the rush, but they were also conceding a lot. Now it's just kind of, you know, they definitely concede more shots than they take, but at the same time, it doesn't seem to be this wide open pond hockey. I think they're trying to play more structured. Just, you see the breakdowns of having youth and things of that, or just some of their players being a step too slow or Greg McKegg just blindly flailing pucks on his backhand to the middle of the ice instead of clearing, clearing it like he's uh, apt to do. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's concerning and I understand the concern. I just think what I've watched this season, and again, this is an eye test thing, so that you take it with a grain of salt, but I don't know. It just seems they don't seem as panicked with Igor and Nett. Igor doesn't seem as frantically onslaughted at times as Henrik has. Yes, he makes 10 bell saves, but he's just calms the play down so much that I think that it just feels like the team is in, even when they're, they're not playing their best, it doesn't seem like they're, it's a fire drill like it's been in previous seasons or they're out of control. I just think they're much more comfortable playing the game as it you're playing these types of games, especially with Igor net, you know, you see their record in uh, one goal games as this season, as opposed to last season. And th- that's been a huge difference. You know what I mean? In terms of where they are in the standings, they've just been winning their one. They've been closing out their one goal games or hanging on or however you want to say it. And they just, yeah. And their power play is so good. So hot. They're just content to let it ride. And I mean, but that goes to say we watched the way they played 
last night in the second, the third period, and they overtook the game. And yes, in fairness, Florida, best five on five team in the league, was tired. They played a lot of back to backs. They're playing yet another one here. They're technically, they're clearly a better team than the New York Rangers as currently constructed. But being said, that the Rangers have the horses, and that just kind of leads me to believe. Well, everyone's talking about like this as being a harbinger of the Rangers' automatic first round exit once they make it to the playoffs, if they make it to the playoffs. But I don't know. There's also a part of me that could see the Rangers have been kind of lucky in that when it came to COVID, they would only cycle out, lose one or two guys maybe at a time, if that. They didn't ever get blasted like other teams. Injury wise, they've been obviously Blay was unlucky. But other than that, um, Fox, yeah, he tweaked something in a seemingly nothing play, and so he's going to be out. But he'll be back. He luckily, luckily for the Rangers, they only had to play a couple of games, and then now he's got two weeks off to heal up. As does Kako, as does uh, Heedle, and who knows? I'm. You could say that maybe the Rangers have more to give, but it's interesting to think: Will they give it? Will the pedal be? Can they put the pedal down when it's important? Are they saving themselves? Is there a? Is there a conservation of overall effort? Like, are there teams in the National Hockey League right now that in order to make the playoffs are just going, you know, guns a-blazing, and they're, they're just pushing? And the Rangers are talented, you know, kind of like that kid in school who's really smart but just doesn't try as hard as he should, so he still only gets Bs, but he still passes, you know what I mean? But he, it's in him. He has the the potential, you know, to be an ace, A-plus student. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting to think because, I, you know, I guess it'll coming out of this break will be really interesting to see how the Rangers conduct themselves. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because, I mean, we do have a huge span here, right? We don't play our next game until February 15th. Uh, we're recording this on February 2nd, uh, 2-2-22. Andy got a kick out of that this morning. And uh, he'll get to do it again on the 22nd, 2-22-22. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, little things, right? Um, they play Boston and Detroit, two huge games, two teams that are will be chasing them. Um, you know, for either, you know, wild card spot or, you know, well, the, the, both of those don't have a chance of making their top three. But, you know, if you look at, you know, the teams that the Rangers have, you know, the rest of this month, obviously, besides Ottawa, but they play a Capitals and a Penguins team who are right there with them. So this is a, a nice rest that they'll have. Um, they play some very competitive teams at the end of the month, and they're going to have to, you know, not only respond to you know the criticisms because I I think it's something that they talk about I think there's no there's no hiding uh, the fact that the Rangers have so much you know room for improvement and Gallant knows this which is why he is angry at the end of some of these games especially games where you get a two goal lead and instead of instead of being able to lock down and just play tight. They, you know, I don't know, they get exposed on a run and gun type of play. And before you know it, the game is tied. And it's just uh, it'll it'll be interesting with this rest that we have coming up, how the Rangers will respond at the end of the month. Um, Obviously, only time will tell. But, you know, it's it's safe to say that, you know, the Rangers will probably find a way to survive. And, um, you know, they're going to survive up into a point where the trade deadline will happen and we'll see what the Rangers bring. You know, I think it'd be silly, Andy. Uh, and I think you would agree with this is to talk about going to war in the playoffs with the roster that we have. I would imagine it's going to look a couple players different. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? You, you definitely think a move is going to be made. I'm not asking you to tell me a trade here, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Drury's making a move here, right? At the trade deadline. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's a, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I just think when you have your goaltenders having a season like this, and again, I, the concern you hear from Rangers, uh, a big vocal portion of the Rangers fan base, which I also understand is that they're so afraid of this organization thinking it, the team they are icing is better than it is. And then making win now moves that ultimately hurt their future, uh, which kind of happened with the lung in the, the Hank years that, eventual instead of just making shrewd moves and slowly building kind of like they started to do with the rebuild letter is that you had a team you basically had hank and a team that didn't have any elite scoring talent but just had pretty good middle of the road contributors you know and so obviously they're afraid of jeopardizing future potential and future dominance for a team that can maybe get in so i get that but there are players that can be acquired 
that I do think are fit what this team, I think, that especially if you look at team, I think teams' appetites for rebuilding is getting, well, besides the Philadelphia Flyers, I guess, uh, is, get, is, is getting, I think the more you see the success of teams like the Rangers that put out a formal letter, a transparent saying, this is how we're doing things, and they turn around in three or four seasons, and now they're going to make the playoffs. I think the appetite um, increases for that. Because, again, I feel like for years it's been like playoffs or nothing. We need playoff revenue. Uh, rebuild. We'll never rebuild. Uh, so many teams kind of had this modicum, especially when you see teams that are poorly run that have been rebuilding for a decade plus, like the Coyotes, although they had one good season uh, in the bubble, or the Buffalo Sabres, which obviously now they've traded Jack Eichel and this and that. But if you're confident in your front office, they should be confident that we are the, if you think you're as good as you think you say you are, or you're, you're qualified to be doing your job as a, the executive for an NHL team, then you should have no problem. You say we can steer the ship and we can get ourselves righted again. Cause just barely always just kind of missing out in the bubble is just not going to help anyone. So that being said, yeah, I do think there's players out there. I think the Rangers smart instead of their players that are undervalued for, and maybe it's just right now they're on bad teams. I mean, you know, we always talk about on this podcast, Arturi Lekin in, in Montreal, who, despite Montreal being a, a tire fire this year, he still has has had strong analytics for the last few years. He still is having a an okayish season for him. Obviously, when you don't put those guys with elite score, you know, elite scoring talent, they're just not going to light the world on fire. So they don't cost a lot, but they can add something to your, that your team lacks. The Rangers need middle to bottom six contributors that can drive play uh, and shot share in. A positive direction and i think it doesn't take a lot of those guys and maybe players like jt miller or reunion there might sound very attractive on paper but at the same time sometimes you dig and you're like well you know this he does most of his points and it gets his work on the power play and takes a lot of penalties where i just think that like you said james we have a lot of high-end pieces so i just think everyone thinks it's that everyone's afraid the rangers are going to spend all their assets on taking a huge swing for a guy that maybe makes them a little bit more offensively dangerous. But that is that really what this team, this team can score goals. They, you know, they've, they've scored, especially in the last month, they've been, they've had a quite a few four plus goal games, despite not shooting the puck ever. So it's, it's not offense isn't their problem. They just need a stabilizing uh, offense driving force down the middle. So yeah, you wonder if Tomas Hurdle is still available considering that Florida, uh, excuse me, that San Jose is still kind of in the mix. Uh, but yeah, and then there are other players around the league. But again, I, I understand that fans are afraid the Rangers are, instead of addressing maybe, and I, I know I'm so happy that Jones is sticking with this team for the time being, but I think in a perfect world, uh, Schneider has probably solidified his spot here. And I like Jones a lot too, but I just, for whatever reason, I could see the Rangers wanting to add a more established presence to play with Schneider because I, you know, fairly or unfairly, uh, Jones, I think they see at the moment is maybe a little bit redundant with Fox in the lineup and they might hit their eye test might tell them that he can't defend as well, even though that might not be the case. So they might get, get a guy who is a, they see as a more solid, uh, defender to play with, uh, you know, or even if they want to eventually split up, Truba and Miller and you know so who knows but uh yeah I mean they're clearly going to add here but I guess the question is are they it's like are they getting the gaudy you know are they spending all their money on the the gaudy uh deco or are they just putting the work into the small deep cracks that the Rangers really need to fill yeah and that's you know and I'm I'm part of that New York Ranger fan base that is scared of what they do on the, at the trade deadline I know a trade is coming and that's that's great. I definitely think a trade is needed and a trade would benefit them. And, you know, there's a small, maybe a small little sliver of me that's like, listen, if you recognize the this year's not not the year and you want to just kind of ride out this season and see what you got, there's a part of me that kind of gets it. But I'm also in the thought process of like, that's not really fair to Igor. That's not really fair to Mika and Panarin and Kreider, who have all stepped up and elevated their games and basically carried this team to the uh, the motherland of the playoffs. You know, you deserve, you know, they deserve, uh, you know, the shot to go into this playoff series with the best team possible. And we have the assets to improve it. 
And since it doesn't take much, and I hope jury recognizes that, that you have to make a move. Like there, there has to be an, a non-sexy move in a couple of our positions just to bring in depth players. And, and honestly, I don't even care if Rangers are like, we didn't even approve that much. It's like, I would rather have another Goudreau, the two more Goudreaus on our team and be like, we're overpaying for these third liners. It's like, yeah, but guess what? He can play on the first line. He can play with the young kids. He can play lockdown on the fourth line. He kills penalties. You know, he, you know, he's a, a guy that you can throw out there with a lead with a couple minutes left. Like those pieces are so valuable. We don't need the guy that's going to score 40 points on a power play. We just don't need it. We have our power play, you know, and even when Fox is out, you see how effective our power play is still with a different dynamic of, you know, Truba being on the first power play and just wanting to blast shots. It just, they defend us differently now that, you know, there's a, a shot presence at, at the point. I mean, Fox is just so elite with passing that he kind of negates any, uh, any move that they make to, to shut down a, sh- a potential shot. But, you know, having Truba there changes the dynamic of that power play. So there's, we don't need an offensive threat. I mean, would it be nice that they take that third line and it'll be a little bit more contributing without a doubt. And I think that just comes naturally. Like it's one of those things where, you know, defense first, the goals will come mentality where, you know, the third line, you don't want to give up anything, but because you guys are so steady Eddie that you create frustration and that leads to turnovers, which leads to fa- means fast breaks and, and possible goal scoring and, and just goal scoring chances. So, yeah, I, obviously a trade is in the is in the future for the New York Rangers. I just hope Drury, like you said, kind of doesn't go for a home run here. We just need a couple singles just to get the boys going. And and you know, even if it's just one one player, even one or two players, you know, we don't need to strip away a whole line and bring in you know all these new players and stuff like that. So, um, you know, Andy, I listen. I, I'm a I pay attention to the cap. I look at how much space we have, but you know, given our situation with some of the players like the Criders, the Trubas and stuff like that, you know, how concerned are you with the cap space available? Are we going to eventually have to shed one of these big bigger contracts or you know, or or can we make it work? Is the cap going to go up? I I mean, the cap is supposed to raise slightly, but it's not a lot. I mean, the wisdom, common sense and wisdom tells you that, uh, and that Truba, it was either going to be Truba or Kreider probably getting moved eventually after the season Kreider's having, I think, and the, the amount of young, promising, talented defense that the Rangers have in their system that eventually Truba will get moved. It's not, obviously it's not this season. Is it next season? Maybe, oh, excuse me, pardon me. Uh, probably not, but I just, in the future, when there will be a cap crunch, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but a little bit of a blessing in disguise that Kako and Lafreniere maybe underperformed that, you know, either a, the Rangers offer them more than their, you know, they take a gamble and they offer them more than maybe their play has, has thus far as dictated, but it's a good faith thing. And it can, if they, they could, there's a great chance they could out, pace it or outperform it and it becomes a great contract or B they, they, they have their agents say, listen, it's not, hasn't obviously gone to plan so far. Bridge us. It'll, we'll be cheap for another couple of seasons, but you know, maybe two seasons or three seasons, but then I'm, you know, hopefully you perform up to their own expectations. Then they get paid on the next one. And then you have to figure it out then kick the can down the road. Um, yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. I think you understand that teams let important players go all the time. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs couldn't keep Zach Hyman, so he's gone. Um, it's just, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's just you, you have players that become luxuries at some point that you can't afford. And I even, Buchnevich, obviously it would be much better to have him this season. But I think, again, if you weren't going to trade, you know, between the no movement clause, some of your, your big guns already had, and you weren't going to trade, uh, you know, Chris Kreider, who no, who probably already was already locked up. You know, I just he was going to have to get moved anyway. So it's I understand why they did it. You, it's just obviously the timing and the hindsight and the Blay injury. It just all makes it look worse. 
and just obviously not getting a return, the good return you should have because everyone knew you were eager, eager to get just get out from under the contract. But at the same time, it's it's just kind of a move that eventually was going to have to be made. I mean, they, they already made their bed and it was kind of circumstantial, but um, it would have come at the, the, the cost of maybe flipping one of your younger players you didn't want to flip, you know? So. I'll tell you right now, though, after this season that Troop is having, not many people are having the same conversations that they once had about Jacob Truba and that how bad the contract is because he, he's playing pretty damn well this year. Well, here's the thing. You know, Truba, there was a lot was made about like where he would go or want to go. But, uh, you know, after the season Detroit's having, imagine if you went to Truba, who is a Michigan native, he said, Jake, Truba, Trubes, listen, uh, we, we appreciate everything you've done here. We see that the realities of our young stars are a cap. Imagine if, if you think Steve Eiserman would want Truba. Uh, <laughs> imagine having more, uh, you know, Cider and Truba in the same decor. Like the, snar- the snarl of having two snarly players like that after the season that Truba had this year. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and I'd say Truba probably wouldn't want to leave for most other situations. You know, obviously, uh, a, a much was made of the fact that his wife uh, at the time was going to medical school. I'm not sure if she's completed it or was doing her residency and she wanted to do it back in the States, hence he left Winnipeg. Uh, so I'm not sure if, you know, maybe Michigan, even though he's from there, he might like it. But um, I don't know if that's in the cars, but it might be. So... I feel like much has been said that if the Rangers need to get one of their elder statesmen to waive, they can, but who knows, but they clearly have committed to Zibanejad. And you know what, to his credit, even though he started slow again this season, he still somehow maintained a point per game pace. And now he's just coming alive at a good time and his looks transformed, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I think they'll be able to get out from under the contracts they have to. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned as you might think. But at the same time, you obviously have to be smart and like teams have to make hard decisions all the time, but you kind of just make it and move on because the teams that refuse to make the hard decisions are the ones that end up in no man's land with a bunch of older, you know, contracts that they couldn't get rid of. Like the, you know, how long it took the Red Wings to, you know, to kind of get themselves back on the right track because they had all those contracts and you have to lose picks to trade guys away and it just becomes a mess, you know? They should renegotiate. Like, I know Dolan's a rich man and I and and I know this might not be legal, Andy, you can tell me. But Dolan should either give him a Druba, listen, you're making eight million a year. How about we trim that to five five? You could stay with us. And on the back end of this deal, in let's just say twenty seven, twenty eight, I'll slide you a check or a, you know, USB file that has you know 10 million worth of bitcoin knowing that if he has truba at five and a half and they win the cup he's going to make that money 10 times over you know having a new york team win a stanley cup or win a championship in this town is worth you know probably 50 million dollars in his pocket easy so um you know andy what about doing something like that i mean yeah that's highly illegal for the nhl right for uh, the nhlpa would hate that uh you know, it's just the precedent it would set. And uh, yeah, obviously other owners would, would be pissed unless they all voted to be able to restructure contracts. But, you know, it's weird. I, I do wonder if, if the well, league... the Devils ever, did it or they tried to do it. Well, yeah. And they just, the only reason they, they ended up not getting off the hook for it is, uh, you know, Kovalchuk just leaving and Lou is just Lou and has, you know, he's got, he's got dirt on everyone. So... Yeah, he I'm was sure never. They, he was never gonna. You know, they lost like a fifth round draft pick. I know, and that, but that's Lou. He's extern extenuating circumstance. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, go and you know, obviously, fans have short memories. So when they traded for, obviously, they're happy with Truba's playing now. But the fact that they're like, "Well, Truba makes so much," they didn't know they were gonna get Adam Fox. Like <laughs> they didn't true. know they were gonna get Kako and Lafreniere. So they just did what they thought at the time. They got a, a guy who was doing killing it in Winnipeg, and you know he was kind of like a one A right-handed big menacing shot guy who, in his early to mid twenties, who's now in his mid to late twenties. And yeah, this, he's having a season commiserate with what they wanted. He's definitely lived up to his contract this season. Um, obviously, the problem is, you know, will he continue to live up to it? 
maybe not, but you're going to need him in the playoffs. You're going to need him in the playoffs. And who plays, who is the Rangers best defenseman in the bubble? It's Jacob Truba. Who yep. is plays best when he's leaned on and pissed off Jacob Truba. And I think you even saw it last night as the, the Panthers got tired. The Rangers started playing more physical and he wore them down and they just kind of the whole team followed suit and it. That's what happens. I mean, it got feisty Strom, you know, put a beating on Marchment, which Strom, you know, he's dropped the gloves a few times for the Rangers. And he's if you look at his scraps, he usually comes out on the the winning end, I have to say. You know, he fought Justin Williams in the bubble a few seasons ago. He's gotten a, he's had a few scraps as a Ranger and I'm surprised he can throw man. And he's such he's a noodly guy. He's like a tiny guy, but I guess he's got for his size, he's got longer arms or something, you know, he's just kind of spindly and can just, he just, he can chuck a man. So good for him. He doesn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think of it. Look at him. He's a slight, he's one of the more slight Rangers, but he, uh, yeah, he's not afraid to, to chuck him. And I, the team got energy and, and Gallant Turk, who is an old school guy, even said it. He's like, that was perfect <laughs> when they asked him about it. He's like, you can't get hit like that and not get challenged. So uh, he's like, I never asked guys to fight, but he did he did what he had to do and our team got energy for it. And then when they asked him, Well, why'd you put Reeves on the top line to start? And in my head, I'm like, Well, you know, it's it's uh it was it's Black History Night at the at the garden. So which I'm like, this is a, a cool and awesome, you know, symbolic gesture. And he's like, I wanted to send a message to the to the top players of the other <laughs> team. And he's like, not that I would ever send him after him, but you know, just just wanted to send a message. And he chuckled. So I'm like, oh, okay. So you wanted to kind of intimidation factor, which hey, listen. And lo and behold, Reeves scores the first goal with a well with a well timed. Uh, well, he didn't score the first goal. Mika scored the first goal, right? They took it, it looked like he did, but you have to say Reeves' presence there, you know, caused the defender to try to block it, and it was an own goal. So, um, yeah. So, but you know, just funny how those things work out. It's just. It's one of those things where uh, old school fans do not care to admit that, you know, analytics are more important than they wish or than they wish they were and are can be a good harbinger. But at the same token, I think uh, maybe more news progressive and new school fans that those things like intimidation and physicality and grit are more important than they want to believe. You know what I mean? And it, it's it's one of those things where it's like things that can maybe seem like a negative correlation. It's like if you throw if you're too busy if you're throwing a hit or being physical, you're like oh well your team doesn't have the puck and you're doing this and you're taking yourself out of the play and yada 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 and that's not a possession. But but then you some for some reason there seems to be a correlation between uh, the the toughness of teams that make it that far even though they're not perfect. You know so. Great. And, you know, you see teams like, you know, uh, a team like the, the Toronto Maple Leafs that they have all the firepower in the world. And I'm sure their offensive analytics are through the roof, but they seem to can't they can't get it done in the playoffs. And, you know, you see the teams that are just well balanced. They can play the physical style. They can kind of grind out because, the you know, if you're going to base a team off of regular season analytics, you're going to get killed because the game is completely different. There's less penalties. It's a little bit more of a chess match rather than, you know, a checkers. And there's less run and gun. And the teams that try to do it, you know, like the Colorado Avalanche and the the Maple Leafs, you know, they can sustain it, but it's hard to do it in a seven-game series. You know, even Edmonton, it's like, yeah, it's great that you got McDavid and it's great he can win you a couple games. But in a seven-game series, when a team's just kind of, you know, it's like a boxing match. You know, it's great you win a round, but at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta win. You know, every single round, and um, those teams. You know, I, I think you know it's, it's every analytic stream to see. You know, the goals for you know with Matthews in the lineup, but at the end of the day, it's like what do, what do all these you know players and offenses have to show for it? You know, and you look at a team like the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, it's great that they have a balanced offense and their defense is solid, but they had no goaltender and they accomplished that the same as the New York Rangers. They didn't win a Stanley Cup because, you know, their goaltending was clearly an issue. And I know that has to do with the injury bug and it wasn't, you know, exactly fair for them. But, you know, the Rangers do have goaltending, you know, when healthy, you know, their defensive core is very good. And 
you know, their offense may lack a little depth and depth in the scoring category and maybe offensive production, but guess what? They find ways to draw penalties and they capitalize on those chances. And is that sustainable in the playoffs? I don't think you and I think so, but I also know we have enough assets to add those pieces. And I'd rather be in the New York Rangers position with, you know, the ability to trade for smaller assets and just only needing those smaller assets than some of the teams that, you know, might have that depth, but don't have that big punch or, you know, have that big punch and great defense, but, you know, they can't find a goalie that can win them and steal them a game in the playoffs. So, you know, every, every team has their, uh, their flaws and, you know, the New York Rangers are obviously not removed from that conversation, but I tell you what, New York Rangers are a few moves away from being a team that is balanced like the Carolina Hurricanes or the Florida Panthers or, you know, the uh, Colorado Avalanches and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm not too worried about it and I'm not really concerned with, you know, anybody that's going to, you know, trash talk us, Andy, that we're going to get murdered in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, I, I agree with you. We probably won't win around because the East is just a beast this year. And every team is great. So we're going to concentrate on getting better. And by the time the playoffs come, you're going to be like, you know, fuck, this team is going to be a nightmare to play against because they got four lines that they can just roll at us and grind us down and play that chess match that the playoffs are. So no worries here, Andy. Yeah, they're (laughs) uh, man. Why? You know, uh, I appreciate with you if anything else the uh consistency of your takes on this team um, <laughs> <laughs> no but uh but in serious i guess you know that's the thing i think mike rupp said it best when on the nhl network this is a team that's ahead of schedule and if you know even though this might yeah they might get into the playoffs and lose in the first round but as long as they you know like you said james as long as they're committed to flushing out the areas they need to flesh out. And then obviously with the passage of time and their young players getting a little bit more established and confident and older. And you're even seeing in Lafreniere now, finally getting consistent top line minutes and it's starting to click for me at a good game again. You know, Turk said, you know, I had a discussion with him mid game about some of his stuff in the neutral zone, but I'm happy with how he's defending and his offense is finally, he gets a goal. Yes. It's another tap in, but he, He's always there. You know, Kreider's goals have all been tap-ins. Kreider didn't even... Zabanajad scored Kreider's second goal for him. You know what I mean? But it's a skill. And, you know, so Lafreniere, and that gives his game confidence. And all of a sudden, you see him picking off passes from the other team in the air or just hard-to-crowd passes that would be an icing otherwise with his stick knocking pucks down and then feathering beautiful backhands up the ice to spring, you know, Paner, uh, excuse me, Zabanajad or Kreider. And yeah, then you're like, oh, I can finally see the flashes of what this kid is. He has, his skill is not eye-popping, but it is the perfect little subtle plays that you need to make to advance pucks forward and towards the net. He just lacks, you know, he's lacking some foot speed, some strength and some explosiveness. But he can drop, this kid can drop dimes and he's got a, he's got a nose for being around the net. And you're like, all of a sudden you're like, wow, he's got 10 goals, all even strength or this or that, or one on the power play and then 10 even strength goals or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, it just, you kind of realize you're like, Oh man, if, well, if he was getting like for first unit power play time, you might have this many points or whatever. And all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, and his more time on ice consistently, he might not be as disappointing as you might think. So, but yeah, it's all just to put things in, in perspective, but, uh, I guess to put a bow on it, James, you know, to your point, things do tighten up in the playoffs and a team like the Rangers, that is, you know, been able to win a lot of games by scoring two power play goals in a game, you might not get as many chances on the power play if you don't move your feet in the postseason because they are going to swallow the whistles. So you really have to put the other team in compromising positions with your four check and your heavy play if you want to do that and just keep playing hard in, in other teams' faces. So they have to do that because they've took, taken a lot of nights off and it showed and they've gotten real lucky sometimes, but you, luck only gets you so far. But they last night's win against the Panthers was a pretty good sign to show that they have it in them. They just need to a believe it, get, they need to be get healthy and see, make some additions here to maybe put them more in that, uh, make them more of a team that can do that more consistently. And then having guys playing above their heads, you know, before they're ready. So hopefully they do that. And they got two weeks to get healthy. 
uh, we've gone from three potential all-stars at the all-star game to one in Chris Kreider, well-deserved leading the national hockey league in goals. And it was cool to see him. This is the last thing I want to touch on, uh, James. Uh, I don't know if you saw when he was named the first star, he kind of came out on the ice and he kind of let out a primal screen. They could, took some cool screenshots of it and he was kind of whipping the crowd up, you know, like with his hands just say, you know, come on, make some noise to get, get behind us, get behind this team. I mean, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I mean, is when, you know, they're not going to do it this season. That's just not how they operate, but he's getting the C right after the season he's having. Yeah. You know, you, you think so. Uh, and you know, we kind of leaned that way. I thought once they extend, the problem is every time I thought they named the captain, they just come out with a weird thing being like, we're just not ready to name the captain yet. Um, you know, maybe the challenge was this year, but the thing is like this whole captain by committee thing and not to be long winded about it, but it's like, it's kind of working. I mean, you know, obviously Panarin kind of said, I don't really need the C to dominate this league. So give it to whoever. And then you have, you know, Zabenejad who, you know, is that spark plug that probably makes Kreider go. And then, you know, Kreider has the most tenure and, you know, he's kind of turned into uh, the best net front presence in the NHL and he's scoring a ton of goals and that's also great. And he's obviously a leader from all the, the shit show that we had to go through last year. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many different elements to this team that, like you can name Truba, you know, Fox, like there's so m- obviously Truba probably not, but you know, you, you got Fox and then, you know, there's even like, do they wait for a Lafreniere to be the captain? Like there's so many ways they can go. I've, I'm almost done trying to predict a captain because I feel like once I'm done and, and think that they'll just do it by committee forever is the day they'll name the captain. So, um, you know, that, that's how I feel about it, Andy. Yeah, I pretty much feel the exact same way. <laughs> uh, it's just, we've, tr- it's seems like it's been a foregone conclusion so many times and it just right. hasn't happened. So at this point they're going to do what they're going to do. And who knows, listen, maybe the, the committee thing is working out fine. They're getting plenty of leadership right now from key guys. You know, you have to say that the Rangers problems for five on five, you can't say it's a lack of production from their horses. You can maybe say that this season Panarin is not as the highs aren't as high as they've been in the past two seasons, but the, the guy's still on an incredible point, a hundred, hundred point pace despite not looking his best. So what does that say? If he ever kind of turns it back on even more, you know? So, and then obviously Sabanjad's found his form and Kreider has been Kreider amazing this season. And Truba has been a horse and, uh, Igor has been the best goalie in the league. He leads all of their goaltenders in the league in save percentage by like, like, you know, eight points, <laughs> you know, point eight or whatever you want to say. Um, which is crazy. And if he has the second half, just as good as his first half, he will have had one of the best seasons by a goaltender. I, I don't know since when, you know, maybe Dominic Hasek or someone, you know, it's so the Rangers are Rangers fans are incredibly lucky. They have a lot going for them. It's not the same as the Henrik Lundqvist years. It's different. You know, you obviously don't want to sport, you know, have an embarrassment of riches and not have them perform up to what they're capable of. Yes, that's disappointing. But you have, you have, a, you have the pieces. I don't know what else more you want. You have a guy who's probably going to win the Vezina and probably should win the Hart in Igor. You have yeah. a Norris winning defenseman in Adam Fox who hopefully just gets rested up and get ready. You have elite scoring talent. You have an elite passer in Panarin, one of the best playmakers in the league, who can can is a hundred around a hundred point player. You have uh, you're a pretty good, at least this season, defensive center in Mika Zibanejad, who's got who's money on the power play, and then you have Chris Kreider, who is leading the league in goals and is the one of the best, probably the best net front presence presence in the league now. So you have those pieces, and yes, obviously the other pieces are works in progress or maybe a little underwhelming for their you know where they're slotted but the you know the it's almost like the reverse of what the rangers have done these other years you know what i mean it's like they get they get the elite talent now but they just got to fill in the 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 grunts where they need them you know so and hopefully they do but uh yeah i guess uh it'll be interesting to see because we know that gms like to talk over this break because the the, you know the the noise kind of goes down and as their players are all sitting on you know sipping out of coconuts and in the maldives or somewhere they're uh yeah, they're working their phones. So uh, we'll be see if what uh, 
if anything, Chris Drury does. Hopefully we hear some rumblings sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.